All right, if you're finishing up, you can have a seat. Seems like half the congregation just disappeared. <laughs> Those must be the kids. Uh, I do feel like I need to introduce myself whenever I'm here Sunday morning, because uh, I don't know everyone. My name is Jesse. I'm the youth pastor here at the church and preach occasionally. And so that's what I'm going to do right now. Looking forward to it. So welcome here. Welcome here to Wellspring. Um, how much time do we have, Nelson? When do the kids come back? You don't know? There's not a certain time when they're coming back? Okay, never mind. Um, <clears throat> give me a minute, just a minute here. Start. Okay. So anyways, yeah, I'm the uh, uh, youth pastor at Wellspring. We do all kinds of fun things. We uh, meet every Wednesday night, kind of like care groups. We have our own care group over at Jared and Andrea's house. And they, uh, they help quite a bit with, with it, too. And so, actually, just last week, two weeks ago, I think it was, we did, uh, the, all the guys cooked. We went to the DH, the discipleship house just down the street, and all the guys cooked a five-course meal for the ladies in the youth group. And it was a swanky meal. I mean, it was, it was a great time. They did, a, they did a really good job. I only helped a little bit. I rustled up some appetizers, and everything else was uh, all the guys. And it turned out great. And it was funny. Brandy kind of, she, Brandy Chup runs the um, discipleship house and all that goes on there. And she got us started there and helped us find plates and cups and uh, you know, all, this, all this right stuff and sort of got us going. And then we pushed her out the door and she went uh, to her own care group just down the street at the Bonestalls and showed up at her care group and was like, okay, I got them all going. They're good to go. Everything is fine. They've got it. And just a few minutes later, uh, Ben Miller, who drives by the DH to go to the same care group that Brandy goes to, showed up at the care group and asked his group, said, um, <clears throat> why is there a fire truck parked outside the DH? <laughs> the place did not burn down. It is still standing. Uh, you can drive by and see it today. I actually don't know why there was a fire truck parked outside the discipleship house. It's just strange timing. Um, we didn't start anything on fire. Maybe they were just there for just to be sure. But it worked out great. Actually, I've got a picture. I just sent it to Ruth. Oh, shucks. Look, there we are. All nice and prettied up. Look at that. That's the youth group, minus one or two people. That was two weeks ago. We had a great time. So we meet every Wednesday night, pretty much every Wednesday night. Like I said, usually at Jared and Andrea's. And um, we've been going through a little bit of Daniel, kind of what, I don't know what everybody else is, how you've been going through it. But uh, we went through a little bit of it several weeks ago. And this is kind of where this message is based from because it got me thinking. And I just couldn't stop thinking about it. We were talking about specifically Daniel chapter 2, where uh, it talks about the kingdoms. It talk, it's the dream where he interprets the king's dream. And if you don't know the story, the king has a dream. The dream is driving him crazy, so he calls his own magicians to come in. But he doesn't tell them the dream. He wants them to tell him what he dreamed and then interpret it for him. And, I mean, they're like, you're crazy. This, we can't tell you what he dreamed. And so he's about to kill them all. And then Daniel steps in and says he, that he can do it. Through God, he can do it. And he does. He interprets, he, he tells the king what the king dreamed, which is, which is crazy, and then interprets the dream. And the interpretation of the dream is just, just awesome, the way that he lays it out, and then he explains it. And when you look at it, when you follow it through history, it's like so accurate. And he ends with this rock, which is Christ, coming, crashing into the earth, and becoming a great mountain, and filling the whole earth. And it's a 
kingdom that's, that's forever established, that will never go away. And so we've just been um, talking about it with the youth group, like just dreaming, really, and just thinking, like, what, what, what does that mean? Like, what, does, what, do, what could it look like to have the kingdom just growing and growing and growing? Because I believe the kingdom is growing, and many times, you know, we don't see it, or we're looking in a different direction, we don't notice it, or we're looking for something else, but... Um, and it is growing. It's growing in, in leaps and bounds. And we just kind of went through with the youth group, we went through history and just shared, you know, what life was like in Jesus' day back in even the 17, 1800s and what life is like to now and to right now. And we just gave like, we just talked about like how the kingdom is growing and what our future could look like and dreamed. And it was kind of fun. Um, so that's kind of what this uh, message is based off of is the growing kingdom of God. And that's like, that's my goal for today is it's just something that's like sinking deeper and deeper into my heart, the realization that God's kingdom is, is the rock that crashed into the earth is Jesus Christ. And ever since then, it is becoming the mountain that's slowly filling the earth. It's the, it's the mustard seed that starts small yet grows to the largest tree in the garden. It's the yeast and the bread that, that blows up the whole loaf. Um, God's kingdom is slowly growing through this, through this uh, earth. And if you think about it, like, let's just think about it logically for a minute here. People were asking Jesus, they said, they said, where's this kingdom? You know, where, where, where's the kingdom of God? And Jesus said, he said, it's not a place that you can point to and say, there it is, or this building is the kingdom of God, or that region is the kingdom of God. He said, the kingdom of God is within you. It's within us. And so if it's within you, let's just think logically here. If it's within us, and if it's growing, if it's the mustard seed, if it's the mountain becoming, filling the whole earth, that means that it should be growing within us and it should be spreading from person to person and growing from person to person. It's like a good disease, a contagious disease that's just spreading, spreading, spreading. So logically, if the kingdom of God is within us, if it's growing, eventually everybody should experience the kingdom, right? Everybody in this whole world, this whole world should be filled with Christians. Penyan should be saved. Cities should be saved. Nations should be saved. And that's what we were doing with the youth group. We were just talking about, like, what could the future look like if the kingdom continues on this course? And every time, it just seems like every time I think that or bring that up, there's a part of me or there's a part of us that, like, counters that with doubt. Like, everybody, really, everybody, you know, Everybody in Penyan become a Christian. Everybody in New York State become a Christian. Everybody in the U.S. become a Christian. You know, it's like, it's easy for us to think of like, you know, some people or most people, but everyone, there's always those several people that we just, we just can't imagine becoming a Christian. And it's, it's a selfish thought, really, because I became a Christian, and I'm just, I'm a person, and you, you became a believer, you became a follower of Christ, and how, how, are, uh, how are we any different than anyone else out there who's just who's, who's just living life, and Christ can encounter anyone. We see that even with Paul's example, and there's example after example in the Bible of how God encounters anyone. Um, and so that's what we've been doing. We've just been thinking like, what what could the future hold? Could everybody could everybody come to Christ? And I've just been taking in my mind slowly taking the the barriers, the breaks, the doubts away and saying, you know, why don't I believe this? Why, why do I believe the kingdom is growing, but I don't believe it's for everyone, to be honest. You know, I believe there's some people, and it's not, not everyone can be reached, just, just honestly. And so I've just been, like, taking some of those um, doubts away and just been thinking, like, 
what's stopping me from believing that? Uh, it's like, you know, if you, if, you, if you have a goal to like, you're working, you're like, I want to make a little bit of money, but not a lot of money. What's probably going to happen? You're probably going to make a little bit of money, but not a lot of money. It's just, that's just how it is. And I see like that even with our own lives, we're like, if we believe that the kingdom isn't for everyone, if we believe there are some people, going to be some people who aren't going to experience it, that's probably what we're going to see in our lives. That's probably what's going to be the fruit of it. We have to believe it's for everyone. It is a mountain that's slowly filling the earth for every single person. Um, Jesus said, Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. You know, why, why are the workers few? And I think so much of that is because of there's, there's doubts that come in us where we're like, you know, is, is the kingdom really growing? And it stops us from grabbing the ripe harvest, which is plentiful. It's like, it's like, this is, and I'm, I'm preaching to myself here. This is kind of, let's say we go to a baseball game and I take a friend along. We'll call him Pessimistic Pete. <clears throat> so me and Pessimistic, Pessimistic, that's a mouthful. Maybe we should call it a different name. Negative Nancy. <clears throat> I could take two people. I'd take negative Nancy and pessimistic Pete. We go to a baseball game. We're cheering for the underdog. Um, the underdog is winning. We're going throughout. We're watching the game. The underdog is slowly winning, 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 winning. Finally getting to a point where, you know, our, the team that we're going for, the underdog, is way ahead of the other team. And, you know, so I'm cheering. But there's pessimistic Pete and there's negative Nancy on either side of me. And they're looking at the scoreboard and they're like, yeah, well, that, that's probably wrong. It probably, you know, I'm, I'm guessing that score, that score is wrong. Maybe somebody put it in the wrong. Or maybe they're saying, like, hey, maybe the score is right, but at the end, the other team is going to have an amazing comeback, and they're, gonna, they're going to uh, come back and win. And I feel like that's just, like, so much of our lives sometimes. We're, like, we're, we're almost, like, too afraid to believe that the kingdom is advancing. It's just like, uh, there's like a stop in there. We're like, yeah, but, you know, you know, the kingdom is advancing, but, but, but. And there's all these buts that stop us from just pressing, pressing, pressing and experiencing more of the culture of the kingdom in our town. So I want to try and like nail down some of those barriers and blocks that are in my mind, maybe in yours, and push them out of the way um, and just open up a new realization for seeing the kingdom of God growing here in town, growing wherever you're at, bringing the culture with you wherever you're at. The kingdom of God is not a place, it's within us. It's within us. It's, it's letting Christ reign within our hearts. So why don't we believe? Why do we believe or why do we have sometimes a hard time seeing the kingdom of God or believing that this whole earth could be saved? that everybody in this world could become a Christian. It could actually happen. But why do we sometimes not believe it? I think the first re reason that I wrote down here for myself is we simply, we didn't know. We didn't know it was in the scripture. We didn't know that this is actually written out. This is actually planned out long, long ago throughout the Old Testament, in the New Testament. And I think the first thing we need to realize is that this is something that God has spoken that he's spoken into, that he's breathed life into long, long ago, and we have to see it, first of all, in the Bible, and then go from there. Um, Isaiah 9, talking about Christ. This is just a verse here talking about when Christ comes. It says, Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. So it's kind of like the way that that's all read there, it's sort of backwards. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Here's my words. 
When Christ comes to this earth, once Christ comes to this earth, his reign will never stop increasing. It will increase, increase, increase. It will become the mountain that slowly fills the entire earth. Um, Isaiah, that's what Isaiah 9 says. And then I love how it ends it. It says, and the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So it's like God is going to make it happen. This will happen. Like there's a zeal that's in God where he's like, this has to happen. It will happen that Christ will come and his kingdom will slowly reign and fill the whole earth. Um, Daniel 2, we talked about Daniel 2 a little bit just, uh, just, just a minute ago, where uh, it names Christ as the stone. He's like the chief cornerstone, the rock, cut without hands, comes crashing into the, the present day earth and turns into a mountain and slowly fills up the whole earth until all the earth is filled. Keywords, all the earth. And he slowly fills it up. And it's like a kingdom that will never go away. It's a kingdom that's firmly established. Um, a couple more verses. Psalm 22. This is a great one. Oh, and there's also the mustard seed example. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. I mentioned it earlier. It grows to become the largest tree in the garden. It's the yeast. It grows into, the, it fills the whole loaf. Uh, Psalm 22. Okay, well, actually, in the Gospels, when Jesus is on the cross, he's stretched out on the cross, and he cries out. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And what he was doing there is he was actually referencing Psalm 22. If you go, most of your Bibles probably have this. It's just like a reference to Psalm 22. He was quoting the first line of Psalm 22. So let's go into Psalm 22. I want to just pick apart a few verses there and see why he would have said that. Because if you read it at a surface level, if you just like read through the, the story of the crucifixion quick, you see that you're like, oh, God must have forsaken him. On to the next thing. But you don't realize what he's actually doing. He's actually yelling out a psalm and the believers or the the jews back then would have known if they knew the bible which most of them did the old testament they would have known exactly which psalm he was referring to and it's an amazing psalm because it's david writing prophetically he's writing something that it seems like he has no idea what he's writing but he's actually writing exactly what jesus was going through so psalm 22 i'm going to bounce around a little bit i'm going to turn to well first of all verse one is the first uh was what Jesus said. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, all right, let's bounce on down to, uh, look at verse 16. For dogs have surrounded me. Remember, this is David writing long before Jesus has ever been on the earth. For dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. Isn't that crazy? That's exactly what happened to Jesus. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. I mean, I don't know how, somehow when David was writing this, he's writing this and it just perfectly describes what was happening to Jesus on the cross, which is, I think, why he said Psalm 22. Because he was saying, it was much more than just saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If we keep reading on in this Psalm, we see that God actually didn't forsake him. He actually turned his face toward him. Uh, we can see that in, uh, let's go down to verse 24. Nor, for he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted nor has he, capital H, hidden his, capital H, face from him, capital H, so it's God to God, nor has he hidden his face from him, but when he cried to him, he heard. And so it's just, I love this psalm because it's like, first of all, it's David writing long before Jesus ever showed up on the earth, and he so accurately describes exactly what was happening to Jesus. I, I wonder if there were like 
people who knew the Bible that were standing there looking at Jesus. And when they said, when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They would have known it would have referred to this Psalm. And I wonder if they like thought about these verses and thought, we just did this. Like this, we, we just unknowingly fulfilled a prophecy that David wrote out. Um, but the best part is what goes on here. So uh, where, were we, where were we here? But when he cried to him, he heard. Let's read the next several verses. My praise shall be of you in the great assembly. I will pay my vows before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. Keywords, all the ends of the world. And all the families of the nations, again keywords, all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous, keywords, all the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship all those who go down to the dust, again, keywords, all those who go down to the dust shall bow before him, even he who cannot keep himself alive. A posterity shall serve him. That means future generations. It will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has done this. It's like the Bible doesn't mess around when it talks about the kingdom filling the earth. It's like every time it talks about the kingdom filling the earth, it's like, all the earth, all the earth. It's the same with healing. Whenever the Bible talks about healing, it talks about, you know, Psalm 103, he will heal all my diseases, all my diseases. And I just love, I kind of love and hate how it does that because we don't see it all the time. But if the Bible, if the writers of the Bible would say he heals some of my diseases or uh, some of the nations or some of the families will turn to him, we would always subconsciously think either we're the sum or our neighbor is the sum, or maybe our disease is the sum or our friend's disease is the sum. And the Bible doesn't make any apologies for it. It just, it just says all, 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 all shall be healed. All shall come to the kingdom. Do we see it now? Do we see it currently? No, there's, I mean, there's, we see healings that don't happen. We see people who don't come to the kingdom, but it gives us, it gives us a bar that we should always be shooting and hoping for. And that I think actually is possible based on the growth that we see. It gives us something that we can continually shoot for. All the ends of the earth, all the nations. Uh, I think Jesus, yeah, this is Jesus saying it here. He said it like this in Luke 16. He said, the law and the prophets were until John. So everything was prophesied until John. Uh, and there was a law until John. He said, since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached. So the kingdom of God came after John. When Jesus came, we see it when John was preaching. He's like, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus came. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached. And he said, and everyone is pressing into it. Everyone is pressing into the kingdom from then and even now. we pressing, pressing into the kingdom and seeing more and more. It requires it requires a uh, a response from us, a pressing into seeing more and more of the kingdom. If we look back in history, I just pulled up a few of these uh, stats, or just this one right here. Um, I th looked these up the best I could, so uh, I think they're accurate best on all the sources I went through. But in AD 100, there were 300, uh, approximately 360 non-Christians for every Christian. In the early 2000s, the ratio was less than 7 to 1. And there's a whole lot more people in this world. We see the kingdom increasing, increasing, increasing.
The kingdom is growing, and I think the first thing, the first doubt that we have to remove is realizing that it's in Scripture. Almost everywhere where you see the kingdom of God in Scripture, it involves growth. And it involves growth until the earth is filled. Uh, the second thing I was thinking about, like what else stops me from believing that Penyan could be saved? That every single person in the village here could become a believer. Every single person in Yates County, what, what's stopping me? And I think the second thing that stops me from believing it, maybe you too, is just the subconscious thought that we expect people when they come to Christ to look like us and to act like us and to talk like us. And it's something that I just need to continually remove and say, no, it's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's not me, it's Jesus. We're all following Christ the best way we know how. It's actually very simple to become a believer. The gospel is good news, first of all. It's supposed to be good news. Uh, I, think, I think there's something in every single person that's longing to hear, uh, longing to hear about Christ because it's good news. It's supposed to be good news. And it's very simple to become a believer. We see it in um, Paul and Silas when they're in jail. The jailer comes sliding up to them and he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? And it's such a simple answer. I love the answer that Paul gives him. He just says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your household will be saved. That's it. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. That's how you get into the kingdom. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. First John talks about it. Believing on Jesus. Uh, you see it on the thief on the cross. He's hanging next to Jesus and he says, remember me. He doesn't even say, I mean, he just says, remember me. And Jesus like says, you're saved. He's like, you're going to be with me in paradise. Like Jesus like just kind of makes him a Christian in a way. It's very, very simple to become saved. And so many times there's this block where I can fall into this mindset of like in the prodigal son story, um, the prodigal son, we, most of us, I think, probably know the story. The prodigal son leaves his father, takes his inheritance, spends it all. He finally comes wandering back to home. He almost doesn't come home, but he, become, but he comes home and says, maybe I'll just become a, like one of his, my father's servants. And we know the story. He comes in, the father sees him coming, embraces him, welcomes him back, throws a huge party for him. Right at the end of the story, there's the, there's the, the father has another son, the older brother, who's standing off to the side, and he sees what's going on. And there's, there's something in this older brother where he's like, this is too good. Like, this, the, the, the prodigal son didn't deserve any of this, which is true. He didn't deserve any, any of the, uh, the party, the dancing, the fatted calf that the, the father was throwing for him. And it's so easy for me. Like, I grew up a pretty good kid. I uh, grew up in a Christian home. I never did anything awful that I can, I never ended up in jail anyways. And it's so easy for me to, like, <clears throat> step back and you see someone who's lived a life like the prodigal son coming into the kingdom. And uh, I can, you know, without realizing it, fall into that older brother category where I can be like, he didn't do the right things. Like, he should be doing this. He should be doing that. Uh, he, what, you know, does he deserve to come into the kingdom? He doesn't look like he should be in the kingdom. And that can happen so easily in our hearts where, you know, people come into the kingdom and uh, we expect them to look, to talk, to think like us. We expect them they should come to Wellspring Fellowship. Well, not everybody comes to Wellspring Fellowship. Although they should. This is the great church. But um, they won't. We are all following Christ the best way we know how. It's simple to get into the, to, to introduce people to Jesus. Um, it's, it's like, uh, there's the, 
what's his, um, Kanye, Kanye West, um, just not too long ago received Christ, uh, wrote a whole album called Jesus is King. If you Google Kanye West, a conversion or receiving Christ, it's just all over. I mean, tons of uh, controversial articles going online uh, where people are talking about, is Kanye West really a Christian? You know, what about this? What about that? And I just, like, just want to like say, stop. No, he received Christ. He received Christ. We need, to, we, we, we need to like stop being the older brother. Stop being the older brother in the prodigal son story. He received Christ. Is he doing things differently than I might be doing? Yeah, maybe. He might be talking differently than I might be. We're all following Christ the best way we know how. And not everybody is going to look like me. And so in my mind, I just like am slowly trying to remove the blocks and the barriers that are keeping me from, from seeing people experiencing the kingdom because there's something in me where I expect everyone to look and to act like me. It's Jesus, 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 not me. Uh, I just have three points. The third point, I think, as I was thinking about it, what keeps me from believing, from seeing everybody receive Christ, from seeing the kingdom grow to where all the world is filled with, with believers who are following Christ? I think the third thing that keeps me back and that can keep us back is we believe the kingdom is pushed off for another time, where maybe when Christ returns, then the kingdom will be established. Maybe all these verses that we're talking about are for when Christ returns. Because when Christ comes back, then everybody will come to know the Lord. Which is true. There, when Christ returns, there will be no doubt. But uh, we can easily fall into that trap of where it's like, uh, it's not for now. It's not for today. I think one of the first um, messages I heard from Penn, it was at Camp Corey. Uh, I don't know how many years ago. Many years ago, when we had camp meetings there that one time, and he called the message "Becoming Who You Already Are," and it's a message I still think about today. Um, and he talked about, well, actually, Andrew talked about it last Sunday a little bit, where he talked about how we're saints. We are saints, and it's true. We are saints. We're walking in the identity of saints. Uh, we're clothed with Christ, and it was kind of what Penn's message was about. He was talking about becoming, stepping into the identity that you already have, and that's my life. My whole life is walking into what I already am. So, me, when I receive Christ, first of all, uh, Christ, Christ is like the new Adam. When Adam uh, sinned. He brought sin into all mankind. When Christ forgave everyone, he forgave all mankind. Even us, the ones who are 2,000 years later, he forgave everyone. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.18, it says God has reconciled the world to himself. So what he's saying there is like God has done everything he can possibly do to bring the world to himself. The rest is up to us. We have to back to the prodigal son story, we have to be like the son who comes back home. He's done everything. He's waiting at the gate for us to come home. We just have to come home. He's reconciled the world to himself. And when we do come home, when we do, when we do receive Christ, we receive everything. We become saints. We become clothed in Christ. Jesus said right before he left, he said, you used to ask through me for me to ask the Father. He says, you would ask me, and I would ask the Father. He says, but there's a time coming when you're going to ask as me. You're going to ask in my place. It's in John. And uh, that's exactly what happens when we ask. When we talk to the Father, we're talking as Christ. 
uh, we are clothed in Christ. Do we always feel like it? Do we always look like it? No, not at all. But it doesn't change the fact that that's our true identity. The same is true with the kingdom. We are in the kingdom age right now. The kingdom is here. It's growing. It's supposed to be growing, whether you necessarily see it or not. That is the truth. It's like um, when in the example of the uh, Israelites with the uh, promised land, when they, when they left Egypt, wandered around the wilderness, they had this goal, someday reaching the land of Canaan, the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. But when they got there, they realized it was also flowing with uh, large, strong people who did not, were not about to just hand this land over to them. I always, like, growing up listening to the, uh, to the story of the uh, Israelites, I just had it in my head that they walked right into the promised land. And I never realized it until later on that the promised land was actually pretty occupied. And uh, it, required, it required a faith that they didn't have at the time. And I feel like that's so often, you know, us walking into the kingdom. We expect the kingdom. We don't see the kingdom here and now. And so we say, oh, the kingdom is probably for later. No, it's for here and now. It requires a step by faith into it. And we know the story. They get to the promised land. They see it's very well occupied by strong people who they can't, they think they can't overtake. And God's like, here you go. Here's the promised land. It's all yours. And they're like, it's not all ours. It's full of people. And it's the same way today. He's, he says, here's the kingdom. The kingdom was here ever since Christ came. It's yours. But it requires a response from us. It requires a step in faith and walking into scary situations, walking into uh, places where it doesn't look like we might always be winning, but it's a walk of faith. And that's exactly what happened. And actually, the sad part of the story is when God saw how they weren't willing to do it, he just said, I'll move on to the next generation. I'll move on to the next generation. I don't want him to move on to the next generation here. I want him to use my generation. Um, we, can, we can miss it. If we don't want to, we don't have to see it. He'll move, he'll move on to the next generation. And he did that with them. Moved on to the next generation, and they came in and took the promised land. And if you go through Joshua, it's just crazy um, how they, uh, they just like conquered, conquered, conquered. Uh, <clears throat> Sorry, I was trying to decide if I should read from my phone or download or print all these pages, and I went for the pages option. So let's just see here. Okay, I'm winding down here. We believe the kingdom is for later. It's not for later. It's for now. Does it look like it's for now? Always? No. But it requires a step forward with us. Remove that barrier that it's for later. It's been here ever since Christ was here. Um, Jesus said... In Luke 8, after he finished the parable of the sower, he said, Take heed how you hear, for to him who has, more will be given. And what he's saying there, I believe, is that God works, God works with you according to how you perceive, how you think, according to the level of revelation that you're allowing into you. So, and he says it right after the parable of the sower, where he talks about how all the people, when they receive the word of God, this happens, this happens, this happens. And my goal today is to slowly enlarge um, the way that you hear and the way that I hear, where the more we realize, the more we realize that the kingdom of God is for here, it's for now, and it's growing. I think the more will be given us. The more we'll walk forward with faith, the more we realize that. Um, if you believe the kingdom of God 
is diminishing or not for this time, it will affect the way that you walk by faith in your life. You have to change the way that you hear and change the way you realize what is happening here on this earth with the kingdom of God. Um, it's like Gary, Hay, Gary Hayes was here several weeks ago, and he talked about when he was in the hospital. He had a heart attack, I think it was, and he was in the hospital, and he wasn't sure if he was going to live or not, actually. And he remembered, he remembered a word that was given to him. Um, and someone had prophesied over him long ago. It said, Gary, you're going to be doing what you're doing, which what he was, he was traveling around. He was prophesying over churches and people. He said, what you're going to be doing, you're going to be doing what you're doing for a long time. And Gary remembered that word, and he said it changed everything. It changed the way he lay in that hospital bed where he said, no, Satan, not today. I am going to be doing this for a long time. It changed the way that he acted based on the word that was given to him. Um, so that's, that was my, that's my goal for this morning and for tonight, is I want us to continually... Uh, look for, become kingdom hunters wherever we go, bringing the culture of the kingdom wherever we go, because it is growing. Um, just a couple other stats here. Uh, Christianity, believe it or not, is actually growing faster than the population rate. So you can just do the math. Eventually, Christianity will fill, will fill the earth. Now, there is several other uh, religions that are also growing rapidly fast. It's interesting, actually. Atheism and agnosticism are decreasing. They have been decreasing for years. Um, do we see that, or do we think that? Oftentimes, no, but um, they are. And it's interesting to see what the devil is doing, where he's he's seeing how atheism is decreasing, and so he's, he's trying to uh, increase a counterfeit of Christianity, which would be any other religion. So Christianity is growing rapidly. There's several other religions that are also growing, but Christianity is the largest known, if you could call it religion, in this world. And it's increasing faster than the population rate at this time. The numbers are astounding. Um, just recently uh, in uh, Brazil, there's this conference called The Send. Uh, some of you might know about it. They actually have The Send conferences all over the place. And this, this conference is geared towards sending people out, sending people out as missionaries wherever they're, wherever they're living life, sending them out. And this was just, I think this was 2020, maybe towards the end of 2019. Within the last several months, Brazil had their The Send conference. More than 140,000 people attended this conference in Brazil. 1.7 people were watching the uh, Portuguese online stream and more than 560 million people were watching the English one. The president of Brazil actually showed up. He wasn't even invited, but he just showed up and they let him have the stage. That's what you do when the president shows up. And uh, they let him have the stage and he openly declared his faith in Jesus Christ. It's just crazy. Um, and this, this is happening everywhere. Um, conferences like this, uh, huge gatherings, sending people out, sending people out as labors into the harvest, harvest is happening more and more and more than ever before. Uh, in this current day, the deaf are hearing, the blind are seeing, and the dead are being raised. You just have to look in the right spots and you will find it. It's like, here's my goal today. I said it several times. Um, it's like Jonathan and his armor bearer, when they, they're, they're outnumbered, they're, they think they're beat. Uh, Jonathan, the Israelites are camped on one side of this big 
valley. Philistines are camped on the other side. We know the story, probably most of us. Jonathan takes his armor bearer and they kind of climb up the gully to, and start attacking the army. Two guys just start attacking the army. And they start winning. There's guys that are coming down after them and they're, they're slowly taking them out one at a time. And they start winning. When they start winning, it's interesting, there's actually Israelites who became, who faulted back into the Philistine army a while back that see what's happening and they turn around and become Israelites again and start fighting for the team that they started with. And then there's also all kinds of Israelites who are hiding in caves, in mountains, in rocks, and they see what's happening and they come out and they start fighting. And so all of a sudden it starts with two guys Suddenly, people within the army that they're fighting turn around and start fighting their army. And then suddenly, people come from all over the place and start fighting just by the realization that they're winning. I think that's what, I think that's what we need today. I think that's what the church needs today. The church needs to realize that they're winning. I think there's, there's so many Christians that have either defaulted back to the other side or that are just hiding, that are just, just somewhere off to the side um, because they think they're losing. And they need to realize that they're winning. And the more and more we realize that, and I don't mean winning, winning against other, it's not us against the world. It's us against the devil. It's us against the works of darkness. And the more we realize that, I think the more people, the more people, the more people, the more we'll see that upward growth in the kingdom because it is growing. I'm done, let's stand. <clears throat> There's... There's a lot of work that needs to be done in this world. I don't mean to sugarcoat or glaze over all the evil things that do happen in this world and that are happening. We do live at a crazy time. Um, but at the same time, you have to get your head sometimes out of the news, out of Facebook, and see what's really happening with the kingdom of God. If you look back in history to where Jesus came on the earth, to where we are now, you see a continual growth. It's sometimes like this, but it's growing, growing, growing. The kingdom of God is truly slowly filling the earth and becoming that great mountain that was prophesied by Daniel. Hopefully you read that in care groups, and I just want it to sink deeper and deeper into my heart and into yours, um, because I think it will affect how we step out, how we live how we live life in Penyan. I just, like, just realized that more and more, like the more, the more and more I realize that the kingdom is growing, Penyan could be saved, it changes the way I treat people. Because I could see someone out in the streets and they could be in at Wellspring Fellowship the next Sunday. It has happened before. And so it just changes the way that like I should be treating them as if they're already here because chances are pretty good they might already, they might come here. And so I see it, you know, we see it with the, just work and, and places that we're involved in where we're seeing more and more people come here, more and more of the village, more and more of the county receive the kingdom, receive Christ. The more we realize that, I think it changes the way we walk in life and it'll change the way you, you just live life, really. It's an exciting time. That's kind of where we ended it with the youth group. I don't know where we'll go from here, but we were just kind of going over like, what could our future look like? And it was really fun. It was really fun just going over what could the future look like as the kingdom continues to grow. Shall we pray? Then I'll end it. Jesus, thank you so much for coming here as that rock. God, it says you were the chief cornerstone. You were rejected, you were, but, but you came here crashing into everything else, crashing into the current kingdoms that were there, Lord. And God, from then on, 
You established a kingdom that could not be destroyed, and you set it to grow. You set it to grow to become the mountain that slowly fills the whole earth. God, I pray that you would slowly, slowly let that sink deeper and deeper into my heart, into my understanding, and everybody here, Lord, that wherever we are, whatever work we're doing, wherever we're living life, Lord, that we become carriers of your culture, of your kingdom, and of your love, Lord. That we, that we become like the Jonathan and his armor bearer, 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 that no matter where we go, no matter what the odds, what the numbers, that we bring a change, that we bring you, that we bring your kingdom, Lord. God, let that sink deeper and deeper into our hearts. Your kingdom is growing, is filling this earth, Jesus. God, I pray for our neighbors, our families, our town. Let them experience you. Let them see your reign in their lives, Lord. You're such good news. God, I pray that every single person could see it. And God, I pray for the next several years here in Penyan with the growth of our church. Lord, I pray that we would just be wowed by what's happening in our city or what's happening in our town. Change our perspective. Change our eyes, Lord. Bring us up, bring us higher to see what's really going on to seek and to find your kingdom no matter where we are and what we're doing. Thank you for this group, Lord. Amen. Amen.